Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. We're your hosts for this week. It's me, Farmers Guardian editor Ben Briggs. And me, Farmers Guardian business reporter Alex Black. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Subscribe through all your favourite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast to ensure you stay up to date. In this week's episode, we're looking at succession planning. It's a process many farms often look to avoid, but the pandemic may have provided the nudge many farmers need to start the succession ball rolling. However, it can be challenging to know where to start and how to navigate these conversations, which are quite often emotionally charged. But avoiding the subject can lead to problems further down the line, and being open right from the start about what everybody wants to achieve is often the best course of action. Jez Fredenberg caught up with Heather Wildman of Save Your Associates on how to approach what can be a tricky subject. And later in the show, with Brexit and major changes in subsidy and agricultural policy coming over the next few years, the face of farming could begin to look very different. That could prompt some farmers to get out of the industry, but as Jez has been finding out, others, such as dairy farmer John Millington, are looking to the opportunities that this might bring. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk With farming about to undergo huge changes in the UK, deciding whether and how to stay in the game has never been more important. Which brings us to succession planning. For some, these changes may be advantageous, and we'll hear in a bit from a dairy farmer in Cheshire who is making the most of other farmers retiring by taking their on their land. But first, we talk to Heather Wildman of Saviour Associates about why now is a good time to think about succession, what key questions every family needs to ask, and tactics for having those often tricky conversations. And I should say, Heather is a specialist and mediator in farming family succession planning. Heather, retirement and succession often seem to be a really thorny subject in farming. In your experience of working with farmers, why is that? I think for some farmers, there's a fear of losing control. They don't want to retire. What will they be? What's their purpose? What's their identity? I think there's some of that as well. If I'm retired, who am I? What do I do? Maybe some don't want to retire as well because they maybe don't believe the children can do it as well as they can or haven't got the confidence or uh, in the children's ability to take over the farm and to manage the business. Sometimes also there's a fear of if they hand over the business and there's, um, you know, there's a divorce in the next generation. That can also be a reason which sometimes can be a cause of a divorce as well. Sometimes it's for tax. You know, a lot of tax planning is to die an active farmer is the most tax efficient way. And maybe they haven't had the farm that long as well and they're only just getting the hang of it and that's how it was passed to them. So there's many reasons why I guess people do put off succession and everyone you know is I guess it's purposely just asking your own family you know why Mm. so there's a lot of fears and emotions running around there and and I guess the added layer to all of that at the moment is the end of the Brexit transition periods coming down the tracks at the end of December 
and the fact that farming is going to be changing so much um we're obviously going to be losing bps payments gradually there will be a completely different agri-environment scheme and we don't know what's happening with trade so i'm wondering you know since the eu referendum and all all that kind of information has started to be mulled over have you seen more farmers starting to think about retirement or succession planning you know are they are they kind of looking at the brexit transition period and sort of thinking oh okay things are going to be a bit different after this is this something i want to do yeah i think definitely i think there's there's some are just tired the tired of adapting the tired of the change the tired of all the regulations all the paperwork all the administration and i think for some them the sort of thinking actually this is a good reason it's not that i've given up or i've you know it's actually brexit it's a good point we don't want to change to go through this you know another loop of new protocols and procedures and everything as well so i think definitely for some others I do wonder if some families are pushing the elder generation out now as well because they may be seen as holding it back. They're not growing fast enough. They're not moving with the times. They're not getting on board with the online world that we've all got now and regulations. So I think there's an impatience sometimes from the next generation coming forward that could be putting a bit of pressure on some of the older generations. But I also actually see sometimes it's not always age specific because sometimes it's the the senior generations that are more adaptable because they've gone through an awful lot of change and they think, well, we've gone through it before, we'll be fine. But the younger generation, I may be thinking, actually, I just don't have the heart or the passion for this anymore. And to be able to deal and cope with this stress and pressure and the uncertainty. So sometimes it's maybe the younger generation as well that are the ones that are sort of saying, look, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah, so it's not necessarily an an age thing. So I I guess for any farmer then, any farming family looking ahead to what's, what's coming, you know, what would you say people should be thinking about in terms of, whether it's going to be a time for retirement, exiting altogether even, or, or succession, you know, whether they're old, young, what are the kind of things that they should be thinking about considering in terms of what is right for them? Yeah, so what I would say to a family now is, you know, Brexit is a great opportunity, um, as is, you know, when there's a new member of family born or a member of family's ill um, or a member of the family's looking to come back into the business. Um, you know, sit down with your family and think, you know, why are we here? What are we doing it for? What is our purpose? You know, what, what, are, we, what are we aiming to achieve with our career on the farm? And, you know, for some families, it might be we're going to we're farming here because that's what we've always done. We, we must keep the family farm in the family. We don't want to be the generation that loses it. For some, it's to make money. We want to be the best. We want to be the biggest. We want to be, you know, growth. We've got ambition. Um, for others, you know, they just want to be happy and content. We love where we live. We love what we're doing. Um, we love the lifestyle. We just want to be happy. So we'll adapt and change because we, we are where we want to be. And and I think it's just, you know, what is it that we're doing? Why are we doing it? And then are we any good at it? You know, because it is going to get harder to make money. And, you know, whether we're driven and motivated by money, life is a lot more comfortable if you've got enough. So how is the business doing? How is each enterprise performing? And that's really key that you do know your business, you know your numbers, you know your figures, you know your accounts. Break down your enterprises because, you know, whether we like it or not, the markets are going to change. Volatility is just going to grow. 
you know so if you've got mixed enterprises and you've got beef sheep maybe pigs and they're all consistently doing well but maybe one enterprise is, is consistently weaker you know if, if you're carrying that enterprise because you actually love what you're doing it's a hobby more than anything and you can cover those costs that's fine but then if you find that an enterprise that is consistently losing money is potentially dragging the rest of the business down, you know, you then maybe have to make some hard decisions going forward. So I would really be saying use this opportunity with Brexit to get to know your business, get to know your numbers, get to know um, your margins and everything as well. And then ask, you know, every member in the family, you know, what do we love doing? And what do we hate doing in farming as well? And sometimes we have to do some of the, you know, the, the lesser jobs just to get through it. But, you know, if, if more of it is about what we're not enjoying doing it, why do we need to change the business? Do we need to change the enterprises and the systems? Then I would also say, to, you know, how much money do we need to have? And, you know, what is a fair salary and income for one individual might not be enough for another. And, and I think sitting down and having that honesty about what can we currently draw from the business um, comfortably, and then if we need to make that additional income up, how are we gonna do it? And it might be that we bring in a diversification, it might be that we, we go and get another job. Um, you know, so it's, I think these are all key questions that everybody should be asking you know, and talking about within their families as well. And, and, and I, I do encourage, and the time to do this is when there isn't stress, when there isn't a family fallout, when there isn't financial issues and there isn't maybe a, a critical illness in the family. And then you can have a bit of fun, get everybody sitting around the kitchen table and say, well, what else can we do with this business? And be creative and have fun. Because just imagine if you were able to develop something on your business that has been your hobby, that's been your love, and then you get to have fun and do your hobby every day of your life and make money. But I think there's going to be a great opportunity now going forward if, if we can get that right mindset in families of collaboration. Um, because it might be that someone isn't into the paperwork, isn't into looking at schemes and, and doing all the, the, the qualifications and meeting the audits and inspections. But there might be a neighbouring farm or a young farmer that says, well, do you know what? I love doing that kind of things. I'm really, really good at it. I've got a bit of a spreadsheet and a formula. Um, let's work together. And I think that could be just the great way going forward. So it sounds like a lot of this is going to be totally based on, on good communication um, and really getting to know each other as a family and getting to know other people as well. Um, obviously, this this subject can be, I think, really prickly, can't it, for a lot of families. And a lot of people find it really difficult to even broach the subject. You know, what advice do you give to people if they say, well, you know, I'm trying to talk to my mum and dad about this and they just don't want to talk about it. How how can people start to kind of have that conversation? Yeah, and, and you're right, it is difficult. And um, and every family is, is, is very unique in how they talk to each other and how they approach these things. And, and for me, I think there's a great deal that you can get away with depending on your timing, depending on your tone and depending on the language you use. Um, you can have some quite direct, forthright conversations, but if you'd say it in the right tone, using the right words, it's amazing how productive they can be. Um, but likewise, if you're, you know, you're ranting and you're raving and uh, you know, you're trying to move cows or you know, it's a difficult lambing or calving and everyone's tired, that's not going to go down well at any time. Um, so you know, time, tone and language for me, think about it. 
And, you know, there's even little simple conversational starters um, that you can have. What do you think, mum and dad, or brother and sister? Um, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? Um, how, how do you think we'll overcome this? What do you think the impact is going to be? Um, how do you think we'll manage if the markets do this or the markets do that? You know, will we need to change our breeding policy? We'll still maybe have the same um, flock or herd, but we might have to, you know, look at finishing them differently. Do we send them as stores? You know, do, do, just start putting some scenarios in place. Um, you know, a lot of family conversations are at mealtimes, and this can be fine. It might be the slow drip drip. Um, for others, it might be in the pickup because they can't get out uh, and you've got the uh, attention. And, and I find it's amazing a lot of people, particularly farmers, uh, you, it's maybe easier having a conversation with them when they're not making eye contact. So say you're doing mac and sheep, you're um, doing something with the cattle, you can just chat away because you're, you're both focused on the job but you don't have to look at each other. And, and that can be a lot easier for some people. Um, and, and other times, if we're going to really get down to it, is a family meeting. Set a time aside, um, make sure the phones are all turned off, have an agenda, and, and keep it simple. Don't overdo it, don't overstretch it. Maybe just make it an hour or half an hour and key bullet points and things. What are we going to talk about? Write the minutes up um, and then maybe have some action plans of what you're going to do. Um, other things I suggest that's really important is we're going to need as much information now because nobody really knows anything about what the future is going to be. So I do say a lot of businesses get involved in discussion groups, you know, read the papers and um, speak to forward thinking neighbours, speaking to like minded people that you ad ad aspire to be, um, you know, and, and that's often another way, once you've been to these meetings, you can go, oh, mum, dad, I was at a meeting the other night and Bill down the road says they're looking at doing this because, or God, Mary had an awful tale about their family because they hadn't um, done their powers of attorney and the will and they didn't have mandates and they didn't have a partnership agreement and Fred became, you know, got dementia and he couldn't sign anything in the business, you know, so sometimes it's using scenarios of other people's stories that we can then get our families to sit up. I also don't be afraid of, you know, asking professionals, getting them aligned with you as well. You know, so whether it be your accountant, you know, a lot of businesses are regularly in touch with their accountant. What do you think about this? What would be the implication of this? Could you maybe speak to mum and dad about it or could you speak to the children about it? Um, and, and I also say as well, whenever you are going to go to any of these meetings or sit down with the family, regardless of what generation you are, take some initiative. You know, don't just wait for other people to have the answers all the time because some people say, what do you think? Well, I don't know. What do you think? And that's a bit of a wasted opportunity. And, and you know, so if you've got some scenarios, you've got some thoughts that then you can either write down, draw, show, take them to see because we all need different information to get on board with where people are seeing things. Um, you know, and, and maybe also mum, dad, brother, you know, how did you feel when gran and granda um, were in this position, you know, were you frustrated? How did they approach succession? What did you need to do? How did you and mum or you and dad feel about this? Um, you know, there's, it, it's, there's a lot of ways you can turn it into the business side of things rather than the emotional as well. Because sometimes it's the emotion that can make the conversations more difficult. What would you say, um, in, in one sentence, what would you say is the main thing that families who get succession right 
what do they what do they do what is key to that in what in one sentence they are open they are honest and they take action awesome thanks heather okay well lots lots of for everybody to be thinking about there um thank you so much you're still plowing on and so are we Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com forward slash subscriptions today. Now, could the changes coming for farming actually be an opportunity for some farmers as others get out of the industry? John Millington is one farmer who thinks so. Hi, my name's John Millington. I'm a dairy farmer in central Staffordshire. We milk 400 spring calving cows and 200 autumn calving cows, uh, along with keeping followers. And over the last 15 years, we've taken on land uh, as uh, our business has expanded. John, I, I understand that you've been able to create a bit of an opportunity recently from other farmers getting out of farming or, or getting out of the particular land on the estate. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you've been growing your business over the last few years? Yeah, we've been very fortunate the, that we're on an estate where uh, land has come available. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, the average age of um, farmers is probably topside of 60. And there are quite a few in our local area without successors. Uh, as farms have come available on the estate, we've been quite proactive in terms of uh, trying to grow our business. Uh, we have a really good working relationship with our landlord. I think it's really important if you're looking to grow your business on a leased arrangement that you understand and respect your landlord's key drivers and understand what success looks like to them when you take a farm on. We've been, uh, we started off with 75 hectares, we're now running 280 currently in two blocks in two uh, on two two units and we've got some really good people who help us to make it work do you think that brexit has played a part in in accelerating those people retiring around you or will people ending their tenancies i think change in legal status whatever that is has that effect on people whether it's nvz regulations coming in I think there are one or two for whom making touch digital was something that they decided they didn't want to be part of, um, especially some of the more traditional farmers, perhaps. And there are, there are all sorts of changes, and Brexit will be the next one, along with the change in the BPS scheme to Elms. So all of those things, I think, just make people look at whether they want to carry on and be involved in new systems. I think you need to be very flexible and adaptable and have a good support team around you to make you... Um, so that they're not daunting issues, but things that you can adapt to and, and take advantage of. Do you think that there are going to be opportunities for farmers, particularly younger farmers from Brexit, and perhaps, like we were saying, maybe the older generation or other farmers deciding to, to leave? Yeah, I think that could well be the case. If you look at what happened in New Zealand when they had their support withdrawn virtually overnight there was an awful lot of short-term pain but there were some long-term gainers and I think if you're um, in a strong resilient position and resilience can have all sorts of forms whether that's a, a feed uh, bank in front of you whether it's cash in the bank or whether it's just good skilled people uh, and confidence in yourself 
then I think um, opportunity will be there. Um, I think it'll be tough. I think it's going to be a bumpy landing. But I think as long as either landlords or farmers who are prepared to go into partnership with young people have realistic expectations of what financially can be driven from the business in the short term, then, yeah, I think there are good medium-term prospects for for people who want to um, prosper in our industry. And, of course, I think you you were just alluding there to collaboration a little bit more. You know, do do you think we're going to need to look at different models of of working i guess yeah one of the one of the main draws for people not wanting to leave a farm is the fact that it's not only their business it's their home it's where they've raised their Mm. children um and it's really difficult to leave a property when um a great deal of your life is tied up in there not just your business so if we can develop mechanisms and take advantage of things whereby the farmer can stay within the farmhouse and possibly even still have partial management control over some of the land, then uh, there can still be opportunities for young people within that scenario, I think. And I think you yourself have been looking at potentially taking on a a young share farmer, haven't you? That's right, yeah. We've got a very good young man in our business who we'd like to uh, help along the way to building his assets within our business as we go forward. What do you think is the, you know, what's the importance of, really finding people like that recognizing talent and bringing it on you know in the context of what is what is about to happen to farming and the fact that it's going to have to be as resilient as possible it's it's very easy as an employer to look at people's weaknesses but actually we need to change our uh, perspective a little bit especially when you get um, into teams of people that actually individuals don't have to be able to do everything It's about recognising people's talents and what their skills are and finding a place within your structure that they can prosper. And although you still want to challenge people and get them to grow and improve their skills, and training's really important, um, actually, if you concentrate on what people can do and not on what they can't do and make the working place a happy environment to be in by being approachable and as open as you can be, then I think there is skill out there. There are good young people. And of course, communication is really important in all of this, like working with staff, working with family members to grow and develop your business. And I know, John, you're a you're a Nuffield scholar and you've looked at farm communication. So what what do you think were the, the key kind of things that you learned from doing that in terms of the importance of communication in your business and, and how to go about doing it effectively? I spent uh, a day uh, with a guy called Mike Trubshaw in the South Island of New Zealand. And he is a farm manager who looks after nine farms. And he taught me a very important lesson that actually, if one of your guys rings you up and has an issue and has a problem, actually you've got two problems to solve. The first problem is the issue that he raises. And the second problem is his headspace. Because if you don't take the time to make sure they're in a good place when you finish the conversation, actually you're more than likely to get five or six other phone calls that day with issues that normally they'd be able to solve. Our guys are really good at problem solving and coming to me with solutions as well as issues. Um, And if you can get that guy's headspace in the right place and take the time to just make sure they're in a good space before you leave them, actually not only can they get on and have a more successful day, but you can get on with things that are 
on your agenda to do that day rather than firefighting all day. So that was a really important lesson. That's, no, that sounds like a really, really good point. What is the next sort of five years looking like for you then, John? What, what are you going to be doing with the business? Depends a little bit on how the next six months goes in terms of what happens with uh, commodity prices as to whether we have a period of consolidation or whether we take uh, opportunity as they come. We're in a, a reasonably strong position at the moment. We have land to develop next year. Um, we have, as a result of some consolidation that's going on in, with the, in our business, we have a, a dairy to build and a, a, some more housing to, to, to build. So there's plenty going on. And uh, we're setting up a more formalised training scheme at the moment so that we can get guys, the, the ladies in our business, skilled uh, in the way that we need them. And one of the disciplines we've just taken on is that we've just taken on a farm secretary which we haven't done before, we've done it very much in-house before, and that's to add more financial discipline. We have a consultant who makes sure that there's a budget and it's a good budget and it's our budget and that we follow it uh, as well as we can. But actually the financial discipline of doing everything in a timely manner and making sure the month-end routines are done on the right day, that's the, f the extra financial discipline we've put in our business with Brexit coming up. Thanks to Heather and John. Tune in next week when we'll be carrying on with the succession theme, with Jez and Heather getting into the nitty-gritty of making plans for the future of the business and also the individual. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform to keep notified of all the new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. We'll be back next Tuesday, but from us at Farmers Guardian and the team at the CLA. Thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well in these strange times. Goodbye for now. <laughs>